you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Kent Hovind's CPA. Thoughts on Kent Hovind's recent arrest. This is an important point. I had talked about this on Twitter a little bit. For those of you who are unaware, Kent Hovind was arrested recently for domestic violence. Basically, his ex-girlfriend claimed that he body slammed her when they had an argument six months ago. Body slammed her six months ago. They put out a warrant for his arrest, and he showed up to the court the courthouse, from my understanding, and turned himself in and bonded himself out right then and there and and left. That's my understanding of it. When you enter the judicial system, you are guilty until proven innocent when the investigations start. The investigators have prime suspects in mind and suspicions for how things played out, and they assume people's guilt when they walk into it. The courtroom, like actual court cases, you are innocent until proven guilty. It's it's reversed. She has no evidence at all. Zero. Naturally. Why would she? Would she pull out a camera and film the whole thing? Of course not. It was an argument that they had, and, you know, she had no reason to pull a camera out and film it. So there's no evidence that he did it. Doesn't mean he didn't. It just means there's no evidence for it. But you are guilty until proven innocent during investigations, and that's that's kind of the route that they're taking with it. So they filed the warrant for him, and they're going to do an investigation, and more than likely the investigation will turn up nothing because there was no like physical camera in the room recording the events. He was recording the audio of the events at the time, but it's not exculpatory. It doesn't, it doesn't prove anything. He could have body slammed her in his perfectly calm voice. There's just no way of knowing. It's a he said, she said situation, and we have no way to know. And what's more, it's a personal situation with somebody's private life, and we have no idea what, what actually happened and, and no way of finding out what actually happened. Everything is speculative. And for that reason, I'm not going to cover it on my channel. Um, and I would discourage anybody else from covering it on their channels or anything, too. Hemant Mehta wrote an article about it, and I appreciate that he did that because it gave me the context I needed to understand what was happening. But I don't think we should get into the personal lives of other people like that when we have no hard evidence of anything that happened at all. So we can talk about the fact that he spent eight years in federal prison because he believes that you shouldn't have to pay taxes. He received those charges. It was investigated and he was convicted for it and spent hard time in there for it. That's pretty indisputable at this point. But the personal situation going on, I don't know. I don't know anything about it, and no, neither does anyone else. We weren't in the room. We didn't see what happened. It's he said, she said, and we should avoid speculation, in my opinion. Hi, this is Annie. She, her, Fancy, Pennsylvania. I, uh, I, I wonder why do people think, or why, why do the Amish and like Pennsylvania Dutch feel so peaceful? Living near them, they're some of the most bigoted, and being trans, they're some of the most bigoted and hateful people. I've been turned down at their little shops when I wanted to buy fruit or food or something. It's a little uh, 
futures markets. Why do people think they're such peaceful? And I don't, I don't get their reputation as to who they are. Thank you. Bye. I agree. They should not have the reputation that they have, uh, 100%. But the thing is, they separate themselves from society so completely that the only time anybody ever interacts with the Amish is when they specifically want to interact with the Amish. Like, you want to go on vacation, so you go into the middle of the woods in, in a cabin. You, you, know, you rent a cabin for like a week or something like that. And there's a little Amish bakery right up the road you can go to. You buy from them. You go back to the cabin, and that's it. They're not really exposed to their views at all. They aren't online. They're not out there talking about it, trying to spread the word or any of that shit. But I found it particularly bizarre how shunning is viewed in the world because the Amish are like the poster children of shunning. When I heard that word when I was little, I immediately thought Amish. It was just really strange to me that I had a positive perception of the Amish people and of shunning. I just thought it was just a different way of doing things. I didn't realize how destructive and evil it is. You're right. The religion, the Amish religion should not have as good of a reputation as it does. But that's what I that's what I'm here to do is to dispel these false ideas of what these religions are. I've talked about the Amish before a couple of times. Uh, I've talked about Mennonites, too. Mennonites are kind of a branch off of the Amish. Apologia is actually ex-Mennonite. I should probably talk about the Amish a little bit more. They definitely deserve it. It's definitely a destructive group, terribly destructive. Hey, Owen, this is Christopher from Minnesota. On the podcast a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that people who get disfellowshipped but still believe don't identify as Jehovah's Witnesses. I think you said that they call themselves believers in Jehovah's Witnesses or something like that. Um, before we continue, I just want to, you know, make my thoughts on this clear. Um, they do often identify themselves as Jehovah's Witnesses still against the wishes of the religion. The, the organization does not want you to identify as a Jehovah's Witness, unless you are actually a Jehovah's Witness and, you know, went through their organization or whatever. A lot of ex-Jehovah's Witnesses who still believe it but got disfellowshipped for one reason or another or just kind of parted ways, they do still identify as Jehovah's Witnesses, but they're not technically in, in the strictest sense of the term. Uh, let's keep listening. Basically, because to actually be a Jehovah's Witness, you have to be recognized as one by the governing body. Um, this got me thinking, what do people do when they get disfellowshipped but still believe? Have disfellowshipped believers ever organized to worship together? And how would the governing body view a splinter group like that that essentially believes the same as they do, but outside of their control? They have dealt with things like this before. The governing body has um, kind of sects, S-E-C-T-S. Sects have split off from the main religion, but it's very, very rare because the moment somebody starts disagreeing with the governing body, they're immediately excised. Everything is cut off. They have no contact with anybody else on the inside. That being said, Jehovah's Witnesses, the religion, is actually an offshoot of another religion called the Bible Students, I think. It's called the Bible Students. That was the original religion created by Nelson Barber and Charles Taze Russell. And eventually, 
Charles Taze Russell died in 1916, Halloween night, was succeeded by Joseph Rutherford, who became the first official president of the religion, the Bible students. And the, the leaders of the religion of the Bible students at the time didn't like how controlling Joseph Rutherford was getting. So over the course of the following 15 years or so, Joseph Rutherford basically executed what amounted to be a coup on the, the religion. He took over everything. It was a hostile takeover. He kicked out all of the old members that he didn't like, and he even went as far as banning people from wearing beards because he didn't want anyone to be reminded of his predecessor, Charles Taze Russell, who had a gigantic beard. That is when the religion changed its name to Jehovah's Witnesses. He did a hostile takeover of all of the properties and the Watchtower Society name and everything, and then changed the name to Jehovah's Witnesses and banned beards in 1933, I think, somewhere in there. So yeah, that kind of thing has happened in the past, but surprisingly, Jehovah's Witnesses are a very uniform religion that has almost no offshoots from it. It's very, very rare that people create sects from Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, unusually rare, because sects pop up from other religions all the time. Hi, Owen. This is Luke. I'm calling in from Arizona. When I was leaving Christianity, a big part of that process was the media I was consuming. I was young at the time, and most of the media I was consuming, whether it was TV or YouTube, has been largely satirical. And I was wondering, what are some uh, content that you have consumed, whether it was TV shows, YouTube, books, comics, anything that helped, even though it was fiction or nonfiction, that helped you view religion in a different light? Uh, thank you. I think when I very first started to exit the belief system, I was watching YouTubers who were talking a lot about this. At the time, I was watching people like Logic and Armored Skeptic, The Amazing Atheist. I mean, this is like a long time ago, obviously. This is before the great anti-SJW split of like the mid-2010s. But all of those channels helped me kind of make my way out and realize how absolutely outrageous religion really is. Uh, especially Jehovah's Witnesses, how absolutely outrageous that specific religion is. So there are four, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, what they call themselves, Daniel Dennett, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, and um, Christopher Hitchens. Those are the four horsemen. They went on tour with that title. I read each of their books on the subject. Uh, the God Delusion, God is Not Great. What was the one by Sam Harris? He wrote a bunch that were actually very interesting, even though he's got some really weird views now. Free Will was an interesting book. Lying was an interesting book by him. Um, the Moral Landscape was interesting, though a little controversial. And then Dennett, Daniel Dennett, I tried reading the book by him that he wrote about God. It was hard to get through, though. It was a little bit dry. But years later, like... Five years after that, right, I'm in college for substance abuse counseling, and I'm in one of my psychology classes, and right there in my textbook, my psychology textbook, they cited Daniel Dennett. The dude is actually really, really cited in the psychology community, as it turns out. I had no idea. 
that was kind of cool. One of the people that I respected and read about was cited in official college literature. It was very interesting. Same with Noam Chomsky. He's cited all the time in college literature. And he's like a, a hero, you know? So anyways, those are the materials that I read when I was first getting out. It was it started out with YouTube, and then I moved to the Four Horsemen's books. Um, of course, each of those, you know, a lot of those people have their own problems. You know, Sam Harris has his issues. Richard Dawkins has his issues. Christopher Hitchens was actually pretty right-wing. In fact, he was in favor of the Iraq War at the time when all of this was happening. Like, what the fuck? That's ridiculous. You gotta take it all with a grain of salt, but I, I, I still think their works stand for themselves. Curious minds in the Patreon server want to know, do you still get fan art sent to you? And if you do, would you ever go back to showing it in your vids at any point? I don't get fan art very often, and the reason is because I don't really have a place that people can send it to me consistently. I used to have, like, uh, I used to be on the Discord server a lot more than I am now, and I had a fan art channel on there, and I had a lot of artists that were big fans of mine. I still do. So they would just draw shit because, you know, why not? They get their art featured in a video and everything else. Maybe if I get enough of the art, then I will put it in videos again. Um, if you want to send me fan art, then you can tweet it at me on Twitter and use the hashtag TelltaleAtheistFanArt. Yeah, TelltaleAtheistFanArt. Go with that one because Telltale is a company that you know, completely separate from me, and I'm sure they have fan art of their own. So just go with Telltale Atheist fan art hashtag if you want to send it to me. I'm on Twitter a whole lot more than Discord now. Birdie Gamer Studios, is it true you really don't have time to play video games? I've had a little bit more time on my hands recently than I have in the past. I just don't play video games very often. It's pretty rare. Although right now I'm going through Pokemon Fire Red. Uh, as of like yesterday and today, actually, it's a uh, a ROM hack of Fire Red. It's not Fire Red itself. I'm playing Ultraviolet, and it's basically a version of Pokemon Fire Red where you can catch every single Pokemon in the game. You don't have to do any trading with anybody or or any of that stuff. And like Hitmonchan and Hitmonlee, you know, where you get what you get to pick one you can pick both of them up in this rom hack uh same with like the dome fossil and the helix fossil you just pick both of them up so it's pretty cool i like it i've been going through i think i i just beat the sixth gym like earlier uh the fuchsia city gym but maybe that's gym five i don't remember Next, we're going to talk about Mike Lindell saying that Trump will be reinstated as president by the end of August or September. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
The first story I wanted to talk about is on CNN, and the title is My Pillow Magnate Mike Lindell's Latest Election Conspiracy Theory is His Most Bizarre Yet. Basically, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but Mike Lindell, the My Pillow CEO, has been making predictions that Donald Trump is going to be reinstated as president by August, late August to early September, basically. He hasn't gotten specific with a very specific date, but the guy has this symposium that he's holding right now where he's trying to prove that Donald Trump was actually the winner of like 49 of the 50 states, including California. And it's just completely ridiculous. The whole thing, completely ridiculous. But I figured we'd give this article a read and see what it says. It was written by Casey Tolan. So let's check this out. Since the presidential election, Christina Jensen says she's been stopped on the street several times by acquaintances who wanted to share troubling news. Hackers from Beijing had switched nearly 24,000 votes for Donald Trump in their rural GOP-leaning Wisconsin County. Jensen, the Clark County clerk and a Republican herself, has patiently explained that the local election computer system isn't connected to the internet and the county has less than 17,000 registered voters overall. So people are making an absurd, unrealistic, easily debunked claim. We go out there and debunk it and people just close their fucking ears. They don't even listen. Let's keep reading. But she finds herself unable to convince those constituents of the simple fact that the election wasn't stolen. They're like, well, Mike Lindell says this, Jansen said. Lindell, the MyPillow CEO and a close ally of former President Donald Trump, has emerged as one of the most vocal boosters still pushing false claims about the 2020 election. In a series of so-called documentaries, Lindell has advanced an increasingly outlandish theory that foreign hackers broke into the computer systems of the election offices, like Clark County, to switch votes in what he has described as the biggest cybercrime in world history. Election officials at more than a dozen counties that Lindell has claimed were hacking targets told CNN that the pillow magnate's claims are utterly meritless. They noted that their voting machines are not connected to the internet, that the results are confirmed by paper ballots, and in some cases that official audits, recounts, or reviews have verified their vote tallies. In addition, CNN interviewed nine cybersecurity experts, all of whom said the quote-unquote proof Lindell has released so far is nonsense, and that there's zero evidence of any kind of successful hacking of last year's election results. But many Americans are buying into baseless claims of vote fraud. Polls have found that roughly two-thirds of Republicans believe that Joe Biden was not legitimately elected. And while Lindell isn't as prominent as other right-wing figures denying the election results, including the former president himself, his rhetoric has broken through among some of the Trump faithful. Let me give you guys a little summary of what's going on. Uh, There's basically this symposium that Mike Lindell is holding, and his goal there is to flip the burden of proof. They are responsible for proving to us that election fraud took place because they claimed that it took place against the evidence. They claimed it took place. Mike Lindell's whole symposium here, this this big thing that he's holding, this big event that's being televised and all that other shit, is basically trying to flip the burden of proof by telling people they have to prove that the election was not stolen. 
from Donald Trump. That's not how logic works. That's not how anything works, as a matter of fact. So it's completely ridiculous that anybody would buy into this. But like CNN says here, two-thirds of Republicans believe President Joe Biden was not legitimately elected. That's fucking concerning. And it gets worse. Let me read this next section here. Now Lindell is resorting to a last-ditch attempt to promote his theory, planning a cyber symposium this month in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where he says he'll release 37 terabytes of data showing election hacking. In a rambling and combative interview with CNN, Lindell insisted that he had proof the election was stolen. The whole bit behind the symposium is that you have to prove that it wasn't. That's his whole thing. His whole plan here is to flip the burden of proof. If he had the proof, don't hold a big-ass symposium. Just show us. Release it. Simple as that. I don't get it. I'm not wrong. I've checked it out. I've spent millions, he claimed. You need to trust me and come there. Election officials say Lindell's conspiracies are undermining faith in the voting system. Scott McDonald, the clerk for Dane County, Wisconsin, another county where Lindell has claimed hacking switched thousands of votes from Trump to Biden, said that out of all the election theories he's heard, Lindell's is the worst one because it's the dumbest. The county conducted a hand recount of every ballot paid for by Trump's campaign, which verified Biden's win, and every ballot in the state has a paper trail. It's damaging our democracy, McDonald said of Lindell's claims. Spurious allegations spread on the internet because they affirm what you want to believe. Couldn't have said it better myself. But it gets worse than that. There was another article that I just wanted to glance at real quick. We don't have to read the whole thing. The title is Die Hard Trump Supporters Increasingly Demand Violence If He Isn't Reinstated. Homeland Security Warns. This is on RollingStone.com. And it was, uh, let's see, who was it written by? It was written by Peter Wade. So let's give this article a read and see what it says. The Department of Homeland Security issued a warning on Friday. Believers in the false conspiracy theory that Trump will be reinstated have increased their calls for violence if the former president isn't back in the White House soon. Some conspiracy theories associated with reinstating former President Trump have included calls for violence if desired outcomes are not realized, the DHS bulletin obtained by ABC News said. The bulletin went on to say that the recent increase in public visibility of liars like the MyPillow guy, like... Uh, Mike Lindell, is the reason for the uptick in violent online chatter. Lindell continues to relentlessly push the big lie that the election was stolen, going so far as to say that he expects the Supreme Court to unanimously rule in favor of reinstating Trump as a president in August. In August, okay? This isn't a small thing anymore. Here's one of the big problems. There is no path for Donald Trump to be reinstated as president. It does not work that way for the president. It has worked that way in the past for certain types of office. Does not work that way for president. There's no path for it. Mike Lindell expects the Supreme Court to rule on what I don't know. I mean, they have to have a case come before them to make a ruling on it. And they've already said they're not taking up certain political cases. The Supreme Court said that. Even if the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Donald Trump, it wouldn't matter. At best, that means Biden is removed from office and then the Speaker of the House takes office. That's best case scenario. Trump has no path to the White House anymore, unless it's 2024. But they don't want this to happen in 2024. They want it to happen 
in August of 2021. And as they said, if it doesn't, there's going to be violence. So I was looking around at all of the typical pastors I usually talk about, right? We've got Robin Bullock. We've got Hank Kuneman. God, I wish I could remember the other guy's name. Andrew Womack's this guy's name, by the way. Couldn't remember it first. Anyways, this first video I wanted to watch is a retired general from the United States military. General McKinney, I think. Watch this clip. I believe the general is the one in the middle. Let's check it out and see what they had to say for themselves. The next few weeks are going to be potentially rough. Uh, they're going to try to throw everything at us, uh, try to shut down the Internet, try to mandate vaccine passports, mask mandates, try to bring down the financial system. OK, who is they is one of my first questions here. Who is going to be doing all of this stuff to you? Turning off the Internet. And what was the last thing he said? Try to bring down the financial system. Bring down the financial system. I mean, I assume who he's talking about is the U.S. government. Why would the U.S. government want to take down the financial system or, or turn off the Internet? There's no logic to be found in this. I I'm trying to apply rationality to people who don't have it. I'm trying to use nuance in a situation that has none. That's why it it's just coming up completely nonsensical let's keep listening and more um and you guys have heard that as well correct yes, yes. and and they're going to try to stop mike lindell's <clears throat> symposium which he's offering five million dollars to anybody who can prove him wrong on the movie the uh, that he has made absolute proof that shows how the Chinese Communist Party and the Russians uh, use cyber warfare. He's a fucking retired general. What the fuck is going on right now? What is this shit? Really? My God, is this sad? This is a retired general. Seriously. And he's saying this just batshit crazy stuff. They're going to try to shut down Mike Lindell's symposium. Nobody gives a shit about Mike Lindell's fucking symposium. It's like they start out with an assumption and they repeat it enough until people think it's true and then they stack another assumption on top of that last one and then another and another and you just got this gigantic fucking tower of just batshit crazy ridiculous conspiracy theories. That's how these conspiracies form. Let's keep listening. Cyber warfare against the election system on the 3rd of November. Okay, cyber warfare against the election system, saying the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, used cyber warfare against the election system. That's why the elections are all held offline. We aren't connected to the Internet when we do all of this stuff. That's why we have ballot machines and all that. That's why we don't do online voting because everybody wants it to stay paper to prevent hacking. I can imagine a situation in, in which voter fraud takes place. I'm sure there was some voter fraud, but as Bill Barr said last year, there was not enough election fraud to flip the election, to change the results. It was negligible amounts. In a country of 350 million people, you're going to find a couple of examples of it at the very least. Not enough to change the election results. But I would expect these people to at least come up with examples that are based in reality, that are actually realistic, 
and not completely fabricated. China did not wage cyber warfare on our election locations. They weren't connected to the internet. Like I said, we're talking about extremists here, and when you're dealing with extremists, all nuance is gone. There's no nuance to be found. It's black and white. The Russians uh, used cyber warfare against the election system on the 3rd of November. That's a very specific claim. Russia and China used cyber warfare against the election systems, against the election systems on November 3rd. Zero evidence that that happened, first of all. And second, it's impossible because they weren't connected to the internet. Now, you know, everybody poo-poos that and say, well, that's been debunked and there's no evidence. Anybody that says it's been debunked and no evidence is part of the group that participated in it. That is part of their psychological warfare campaign. Okay, I love it. This is black and white thinking. If you disagree with me, you're, you are the enemy. You're part of the group that I want to destroy. Black and white thinking right there. This is fucking sad, dude. This is a fucking retired general saying this shit. Yeah, okay, so General Paul E. Vallely and General Thomas McKinney, McKinney, I think. This is sad, but just wait. It gets even sadder. The next clip is of a pastor that I talk about fairly frequently, every now and then. I call him Pastor Buckaroo because he wears this fucking badass sweater vest. Really, absolutely love it. And I'm not even sure why he wears this so often, but it's like every single clip that I ever see of him, he's wearing a vest. And it's just on point, honestly, really. I, I love it to death. But this is one of Mike Lindell's security guys, like security, you know, cyber people, I guess. So I wanted to give this a listen and see what this televangelist is saying about it. Check this out. Uh, by the way, all of these took place, all these clips came out late July, early August. Listen to this. I have evidence, and we have whistleblowers, that we also have people in America that are traitors that cooperated with this to get the ends that they wanted. So it's not just foreign actors. We've got some bad actors in our own country, and frankly, they're traitors, and they deserve traitor's treatment. What does that mean? They deserve traitor's treatment. You know what that means? That is the reason why they put the gallows up at the Capitol building on January 6th. They had intentions of using those gallows. At the very least, they wanted to send the message that they wanted to. They deserve traitor's treatment. If you can prove this, are people going to yes. be guilty of treason? Is there going to be jail time or repercussions for them? Yes, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that we have some real traitors. And I, I talk to a lot of veterans these days, and they're, you know, they, they're the guys who have been in the field and seen their buddies die in the field. Um, I've been right there. You're a vet as well. I am. Are you, are you just going to roll over and let the liberty that your buddies died for just I'm go not. to waste? <laughs> Andrew Womack's this guy's name, by the way. Couldn't remember at first. Andrew Womack, I believe. W-O-M-M-A-C-K. Anyways, the rhetoric that Mike Lindell's cyber guy, quote-unquote, is using here is violent rhetoric. He is encouraging violence here. He is part of the reason why 
This article was written by Rolling Stone. Die-hard Trump supporters increasingly demand violence if he isn't reinstated, Homeland Security warns. He is part of the reason why this is a problem in the first place. We should be concerned by what's happening right now. We're halfway through August right now, at the time of filming. Not even halfway through. By the end of August or September, I fear that we're going to see real violence from some of these Trump supporters because they're expecting something to happen that's not going to happen. I've been yeah. right there. You're a vet as well. I am. Are you, are you just going to roll over and let the liberty that your buddies died for just I'm go not. to waste? <laughs> no. no way. And, 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 and that's what I think is happening. You know, as people are waking up, especially our vets, they're saying, hey, my oath is a lifetime oath. I, you know, I'm still going to serve my country. I think people are rising up and, and they're not going to just be happy with, well, let's just slap that guy in the wrist. No way. That person's a traitor. And, you know, my buddies died for less than that. So I think, I think it's going to be, I think there's going to be some pretty stiff consequences coming up. That's violent rhetoric. I believe that if somebody is contributing to a stochastic terrorism event, like he is, they should have their, they should be deplatformed. That's basically my line. I've had to think about where my line is a lot, and it's moved around a little bit over the years based on the experiences I've had and the things that I've seen and whatever else. I don't think they should be jailed necessarily, but they should be deplatformed for using rhetoric that encourages violence and has a, a high probability of producing a terrorist attack, which is exactly what's happening right now. This is not the last clip I wanted to watch, though. There's another one. This one is from Robin Bullock. Again, early August, late July is when this clip came out. Check this one out. I was standing in a live service, and you know how the Lord will just speak, and he'll just speak to me like that, and I'm I'm just standing there, and when I, I started giving this prophetic word, and when I turned around and looked, I just turned my head, and the Lord let me know that the decision has been made. Whatever's going to happen, whenever he's going to do this, when, whatever Trump's going to do, when it's going to happen has been decided now. I thought that God, like, knew everything and knew exactly what was going to happen in the future and in the past and all that shit. Wasn't it already decided? Why is God deciding this now? Why didn't God decide this in, like, October of 2020? Is it just because he's trying to get people riled up? Is, is he just trying to add to this stochastic terrorism event that will inevitably lead to terrorist action? It's not going to be decided. He's already decided. So um, this whole thing, you're about to see a rapid unfolding. Wow. I'll tell you something else, too, that I, uh, that I heard the Lord say, and I haven't told this anywhere, okay. that, um, you know, I'm not, unless the Lord tells me a specific date of something, I'm not, I don't say that, but if he tells me, I'll tell you. Oh, I love it. He and a bunch of other people have basically been busted for making false predictions about, the, you know, future dates. Like, specific dates were named. Jeff Jansen was real bad about this. He would name specific dates all the time. 
Last one he named was June 25th, I think, but I haven't really been paying close attention to him lately. Maybe he named another more recent one. Hank Kuhneman named specific dates until it finally bit him in the ass one too many times. I mean, these people have a bad habit of naming specific dates. It's terribly embarrassing when the date comes and goes and nothing happens. I would have thought they would have learned their lesson by now about naming specific dates. We haven't had a specific date named by a lot of these guys for a while. It's been like April or May since the last specific date was named by these guys. So let's see if he's about to name one for us now. But I know something. Now, I'm, I'm not saying I know what yet because he hasn't showed me that. Good. Keep it vague. Good idea. It'll decrease the level of embarrassment that you have to deal with when it fails. Quicken my spirit. Something is really about to happen this month in August. Oh, that's a little more specific, huh? Something is about to happen. Well, he said something, so he could pick out literally any event and claim that that was the thing that he was talking about. Literally anything. He could even name, like, Mike Lindell's symposium as the something he was talking about. So I guess this isn't terribly risky for him, but it, it's, it is terribly stupid. Especially, like, with how far-fetched it is. These guys all want Donald Trump to be reinstated as president of the United States in the next four weeks. Zero percent chance of that happening. Zero percent chance. I just can't believe that they're, like, kind of building it up and talking it up and trying to get people excited for this. It's absolutely ridiculous. This month in August, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a setup for something else that's coming. But I think from August all the way through, oh, say, November, you better keep heads up, heads up big, because when it starts, whatever's going to happen is going to happen like this. And um, then uh, it's going to be a rapid succession of things. I love it how they they said basically the exact same thing in January and then March and then May. Like they keep doing this. They say something's going to happen, something big. And then they name like a three month period. Like, oh, something's going to happen in those three months, right? Like, even if Trump isn't put back into office, there will certainly be some important event that I can point to and say, see, I told you I was correct. Greg Locke, the pastor Greg Locke, recently he was in his circus tent, his big church service or whatever, and he starts screaming, we were right about all of it. I was right about everything. When, in fact, he was not. He was wrong about everything. He predicted Trump was going to win the election because that's what God wanted. Trump lost the election. He continued to predict and make all these ridiculous claims over and over and over again. And here we are. He was wrong about all of it. So what are these pastors going to do when the time comes that they're faced with their delusion? They made these claims. Something was going to happen in the next three months and then nothing happens. They're going to claim that they were correct all along, no matter how wrong they were. The next clip I wanted to watch is from Hank Kuhneman. Check this one out. We speak this over Arizona. We bind any outside interference. We rebuke any attempts of the enemy to try to put their hand into the audits of Arizona. We call forth other states and we say, you come to your place of order. 
you come to your place of alignment. I guess he's speaking for God right now. Like he he's using his voice to transmit God's thoughts and feelings and ideas. That's the idea behind this, right? He he's a prophet of God. He believes. So everything that he's saying right now is God ordained. I mean, God wants his audience to know this. We declare that there shall be other audits that shall begin to arise. We call it forth in Pennsylvania. We call it forth in Georgia. We call it forth in, in, in New Hampshire. Dude, why didn't God just snap his fingers and put Trump into office if he was so desperate to have him as president? Really, is God so weak and ineffectual that he couldn't just put Trump into office? He couldn't motivate me personally to go out and vote for Donald Trump. If God really wanted Trump as the president for the next four years, he could have just snapped his fingers and made everybody in the country vote for Donald Trump. Simple as that. I'm not getting it. Like, if he really wanted Trump as president, then he would be. He's all-powerful and all-knowing, right? And all-wise. It's just fucking bizarre to me what these people, like, this lore that these people are building is nonsensical. We call it forth in Wisconsin and Michigan. Ah, we call it forth even in California. God, we are praying right now that other states would begin to be moved upon by the spirit of truth to continue to bring the truth to light, to expose every lie, to expose every deceit, and to reveal to the earth that the election was in fact stolen. When are these people going to come back down to reality? There is literally no evidence to show that the election had sufficient fraud to change the results. There's no evidence that that's the case. None. And here these people are sitting here seriously praying to God and holding these symposiums and encouraging people to literally get violent if they don't get the results that they want. This is fucking concerning. That the election was in fact stolen and that the righteous hand of God shall see to it that the justice of you, the almighty God, will be served. Therefore, we call forth for the righteous hand of God to bring restoration and order. And the one who legally, rightfully, constitutionally won the election, we call them forth in their place of authority, in their seat of authority. The reason I show you guys all of these clips is because there's really something winding up right now. These people really believe something is going to happen in the next, uh, let's say, between one and three months that is going to have Donald Trump put back in office in the next one to three months, even less. Between two weeks and 12 weeks from now, they believe Trump will be in office again. And if he doesn't, they have to mobilize and do something about it. They have to forcefully put him back in office. There is a movement winding up right now that should be concerning to everybody. It's concerning to DHS. It's concerning to the FBI. They're taking it seriously. We should be taking this shit seriously, too. That was one of the most disheartening, disturbing stories that I've covered in a while. Watching these people get mobilized and 
you know, all wound up, and DHS is genuinely concerned about what's going to happen if Trump isn't put back in office, like, holy shit, dude, this is real. This is fucking real. Next, we're going to talk about QAnon turning on major televangelist pastors. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media. Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to talk about is about QAnon. There are some pretty big things happening in the QAnon movement right now, and it may or may not be going south for Kenneth Copeland, Tyler Perry, Joel Osteen, and a bunch of other people. QAnon is targeting televangelists. A little while back, this woman named, um, what was her name, shit? Recently, a woman named Madison Marquette reported that some of the biggest televangelist pastors, like, uh, we'll get to a list in a minute, but some of the biggest televangelist pastors were basically trafficking her. It was a very big accusation. And she went on some shows and talked to some people, and then seemingly out of nowhere, who else but Johnny Enlow posted about it on Facebook. That's a pretty big deal. Johnny Enlow put out a prophetic alert. Johnny Enlow is kind of like the QAnon evangelical linchpin. He's like the link between the two movements. He is a major pastor with a lot of influence in evangelical circles and also in the QAnon movement. He links the two things together. So the fact that he has come out against these these televangelists is a pretty fucking big deal, actually. So I wanted to give this article a read, written by Kyle Mantilla on rightwingwatch.org. The title is, The QAnon Conspiracy Theory Inevitably Turns on Evangelicals. Let's give this a read and see what it says. The spread of the QAnon conspiracy theory, which alleges that a secret cabal of satanic cannibalistic pedophiles rules the world and has long used its power and influence to freely murder and traffic children, has reached deep into the white evangelical community in recent years. While such allegations have usually been leveled against democratic politicians and left-leaning entertainment, media, and business leaders, the conspiracy theory now appears to be circling back around on evangelical leaders themselves. Weird thing about this conspiracy theory is that for some reason, it completely fucking bypassed Matt Gates. Somebody who is really under investigation for this shit right now. Like, it just went right over him. They, they didn't say a word about him. In fact, there's actually this pretty funny meme out there. Um, I don't know where the actual meme itself is, but there's this picture here. It's a picture of Times Square completely empty. And on the top it says, QAnon protesting Matt Gates. Just nothing. Complete fucking silence from QAnon. I don't know why they decided to go nuts on these pastors now, on these televangelists, and not on Matt Gates. but I feel Matt Gates probably deserved it, uh, at the very least, in addition to these televangelists. I have to say, like, the accusations against these televangelists are currently unsubstantiated, have not been litigated in a court of law, and we have no way of knowing if they're actually real or not, 
So I'm not covering the allegations against them. I, I will wait for the court system to litigate that if it does. What I'm covering is QAnon's reaction to it. It's extremely interesting to me. So I figured we'd give this video a watch. This is the person who came out with the accusations, I believe. Let's give it a watch and see what it says. Her name, again, was Madison Marquette. So anyone that I'm naming bought me from Derek and did stuff to me. So if I'm naming, the only person I have named that didn't do stuff, but I saw him at parties was Joel Olstein. He never did anything to me, but I did see him. I can tell you, since I've started speaking out, more women have come forward. I named Kenneth Copeland and another brave soul. She's like, listen, I want to come forward. Will you share my post? And it, people went in and attacked her on her post for coming forward. I'm like, you're mad. You all said no one else is coming forward. And now when the women do come forward and say, this happened to me, I have the evidence. And then you're going to go attack them because you maybe were fooled by these pastors. And the same thing with Tyler Perry, Greg Laurie, Rick Warren, all of these pastors trafficked me and we put them on a pedestal and made them gods. Holy shit. That's a big fucking deal right there. Like I said, it has not been litigated in a court of law. We don't actually have any way of verifying any of this. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm not going to make any assumptions at all. I don't know. But the fact that she came out and that others apparently did too and made the accusations apparently was enough for QAnon pastor Johnny Enlow to completely fucking turn on them. Prophetic alert, many of our most famous pastors and Christian leaders are about to be exposed as sexual deviants, pedophiles, and worse. This is the expanded work of God as he comes to set captives free. It's going to be shocking. If you are part of providing cover for any of this, stop it. If you are under the spell of any pastor or leader involved in this, break free now. Leave, then find safe people get wise counsel, and if necessary, be a part of confronting or confirming. Time is up for these pastors and these leaders who have been wolves in sheep's clothing. There will be no delay in this reveal. It will be immediate. Here, check out some of these comments. Already been happening. People who have been trafficked and taken advantage of our naming names. That's a big fucking deal, man. Praise God I survived abuse at the hands of missionaries and others in the 60s. It's time for justice. Yeah, this is gaining some real traction right now. Like I said, I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know. We're going to have to wait for the court system to litigate. But the fact that it's happening right now is a pretty big deal. Let's keep listening to the clip. You are bringing up, you know, some major names here. I mean, even Billy Graham, okay? Holy shit, Billy Graham. The guy or one of the guys who created the evangelical voting bloc in the U.S., basically. That is a big deal. I mean, I say a million times over, they're, these cannot, like Billy Graham and the ones that have trafficked and done things to me and that are doing it now, and even when I've done these extractions, I'm like, they have a demon inside them. People are, I know how they think and what they're asking and they're saying, okay, Billy Graham is, how, how old was he when he passed away? And how young old. are yeah. you? And they're probably saying, <laughs> when did he do this? No, well, like, no. You, I mean, that's, I'm sure you get a lot, you, like you said, the most hate mail about right. somebody like Billy Graham. So they're basically trying to vet the story and see if it adds up. Again, I have no way to know if, if the story adds up or not. I know very little about what happened. That's really not what this is about at all. It's about QAnon's reaction to it. Anyway, let's keep listening. 
I do. Billy Graham, and it's funny because people are like, oh, yeah, his son is sick, but we we don't believe you about Billy. I'm like, well, Billy Franklin learned it from somewhere. Oh, shit. I didn't know. I didn't realize that uh, Billy Graham had a son that, that had issues like that. That's really, really crazy. Anyway, let's get back to reading the Right Wing Watch article. Earlier this week, Right Wing Watch noted how MAGA pastor Jackson LaMayer, who's running a primary campaign to unseat Republican Senator James Lankford of... Oklahoma has openly embraced QAnon conspiracy theorists as part of his campaign, only to become a target of their conspiracy theories. QAnon activists accused the pastor of pedophilia and CSA in July after he posted a photo of his young daughter wearing red shoes. I actually wanted to take a look at this article real quick, too. Check this one out. This article was written by Kyle Mantila on rightwingwatch.org, and the title of this one is MAGA Pastor Jackson LaMayer discovers the downside of QAnon. MAGA Pastor Jackson LaMayer launched a primary challenge to Republican Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma earlier this year because he was outraged by Lankford's failure to challenge the certification of Joe Biden's election victory on January 6th, immediately following the right-wing insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. LaMayer has made attacking the legitimacy of the 2020 presidential election a centerpiece of his campaign, repeatedly vowing that if he's elected to Congress, he will make it his mission to hold those who supposedly stole the election from former President Donald Trump accountable for treason. LaMayer has focused heavily on winning support from right-wing QAnon conspiracy theorists like Lynn Wood and Michael Flynn, both of whom have endorsed his campaign. LaMayer has also been a regular participant at the Restore America rallies organized by right-wing conspiracy theorist Clay Clark, where he's been proudly posting photos of himself hanging out with the various election, COVID-19, and QAnon conspiracy theorist speakers at such events. Interestingly, LaMayer's flirtations with QAnon have not prevented him from becoming the target of smears from QAnon conspiracy theorists who've reportedly accused him of pedophilia and child sex trafficking after he posted a photo of his young daughter wearing red shoes. Everything is a sign to these people. Everything is a signal. They're looking for anything. And apparently red shoes are a signal to QAnon that some crazy shit's happening. Let's get back to the article. As QAnon conspiracy theorist Liz Crokin once explained, many QAnon believers are convinced that there's symbolism for red shoes in the occult, and it's also tied to satanic ritualistic abuse and the trafficking of children. Ironically, while LaMayer had no problem affiliating his campaign with QAnon conspiracy theorists, he's now complaining about being a target of those same conspiracy theorists on face on his Facebook page. Honestly, uh, we probably can't even imagine how bad it's gotten for this guy. It was a stupid idea for him to affiliate himself with QAnon in the first place. He probably had no idea what he was getting himself into when he did that. But I would be willing to bet that he is genuinely the target of really scary shit right now he posted a picture of his daughter for his campaign and she had little red shoes on and they took that as a signal listen to his facebook post last week i posted this pic of eva out on the campaign trail with me and she was so proud of her red shoes because it matched the colors of lemayer for senate gear it was a harmless post, but there's an individual out there who's been spreading things about me that are not true, such as I'm a creation worshiper, a New World Order globalist, and more nonsensical stuff. This person has also been spreading the narrative that I'm involved in CSA, 
I guess red shoes represent pedophilia, according to this individual. I've been in ministry for years, never any accusations whatsoever. Now all of a sudden I'm being accused of everything under the sun by one particular woman and some people don't have enough discernment to determine right from wrong. Unfortunately, I have to say it because people are asking me. I am in no way involved in CSA or devil worship. If you believe that, it actually says more about you than it does me. The dogs will continue to bark, but the LeMayer for Senate train is going to move forward with full steam ahead. Wow. This guy probably had no idea what he was getting himself involved in. He probably had no idea how extreme and unhinged QAnon really is. He just wanted to use it as a political pawn. And he found out the hard way that you can't use movements like this to your advantage. You will pay a price for it. You know, I feel bad for the guy. He's a Republican who tried to embrace the QAnon label to win an election, but um, things took a turn for the worse. He should have researched them way more heavily before he decided to dip his toes in. There are a billion little signs and signals and all of this other shit associated with QAnon. They think that Satan worshippers can't help themselves but to drop little hints to the people around them about what they're doing or what they believe or, or whatever else. He certainly knew that before endorsing QAnon, right? He must have. He should have known a little bit more. You can't control movements like this. You can try to ride the wave, but it's just as likely to come back on you as it did in this guy's case. QAnon has a mind of its own. It's fucking disturbing what these people believe and how vicious and violent they are. I have been and am currently a target of QAnon types, more like Trump cultists for me at this immediate moment. And they are violent. I would not recommend anybody get involved with QAnon in any capacity. I'm taking risks by even talking about them, but I feel obligated to. I don't feel... I can't in good conscience avoid a subject for fear of the blowback from the extremists. I have to do what I have to do and let the chips fall where they fall. But this guy, Jackson LeMayer... He should have known better. Next, we're going to talk about vaccine fear-mongering going completely off the rails. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next story I wanted to cover is about vaccines. It's a pretty sad story. This next clip I wanted to watch has Deanna Lorraine in it, and actually, this guy's name is Pete Santilli, and he's interviewing Deanna Lorraine on the subject of vaccines. So I figured we'd give this clip a watch and see what Pete Santilli and Deanna Lorraine had to say for themselves. Check it out. The people now that are learning more about the adverse impact of getting vaccinated. They're having mm -hmm. regrets about it because we're hearing about this shedding uh, that's yeah. going on. And Okay, the, the, the shedding thing, 
That's fabricated. It's not real. It does not work that way. This is just propagandistic bullshit from the far right, as usual. This is the kind of shit I expect from them. I've read the fact check on this multiple times. It's just a complete fabrication. It is not based in reality. Let's keep listening. Going on and... The vaccine shedding. The shedding and, and also... Um, the, the the activation of the graphene oxide is actually sitting there dormant. The graphene oxide thing, again, it's just fabricated bullshit. There is no, it has no basis in reality. Activation of the graphene oxide is actually sitting there dormant, but if it gets energized by something like 5G, it actually kills all the cells around it. And there we go. We've come full circle. Finally, they've come up with another conspiracy theory that explains the 5G network shit. Okay, let me let you guys in on a little secret. The U.S. has some 5G infrastructure already. Uh, we aren't really using it very much, uh, but Apple, I believe, sold their latest versions of phones that are 5G capable. They just, they, basically, they use some of the same bands that you use with like a, a router and things like that it's just the next version of cellular data there's nothing dangerous about it but david ike if you guys never heard of him you should look him up in fact i should probably do a video on david ike at some point conspiracy theorist extraordinaire the father of a lot of the biggest conspiracy theories in the world right now david ike i believe came up with the lizard people conspiracy, claiming that the people at the top are actually lizard people, demons, and all of this other crazy shit. All, a lot of that came from David Icke. And this 5G thing, this came from David Icke too originally, I believe. I was waiting for somebody to bring the 5G stuff up again, and here we have a guy, Pete, Pete Santilli, trying to come up with a logical explanation for why the 5G conspiracies were real all along. In reality, there, there is no basis for any of this. It's completely fabricated, just like the shedding claims. Let's keep listening. 5G, it actually kills all the cells around it. That is so crazy to me. I mean, can you imagine if they just like activate and said, oh, all right, a million people are going to be gone. Oh, okay, so we're taking another step into this. So what he's saying, it's he's not just saying that, like, you know, 5G is dangerous or harmful to us or whatever. He is joining the dangerous 5G conspiracy with the vaccine conspiracy. Now he's saying the vaccine has a chemical in it that is activated by 5G networks, which, by the way, we're exposed to those bands all day long already. Because of the sun, Wi-Fi access points, things like that. So he's combining the two now. 5G is now dangerous, and if the infrastructure appears in the U.S., which, as I said, it's already here, really, it'll kill anybody who got the vaccine. That's his claim. And interestingly enough, this actually joins a third conspiracy. A while back, I talked about this guy who believed that anybody who got vaccinated would be dead by the end of the year. You guys remember that shit? I, I don't want money though like i know you don't but i don't know what else to do you didn't do this to michael and kelsey they already got it you don't you think i know that don't you think i know that what do you think i'm fucking crazy your mother got it why do you think i'm fucking crazy my family is gone my family is gone by the end of this loose season most of you will be dead what the fuck do you expect me to be? 
Now he's found a perfect circle to link three different conspiracies together. Fascinating. Just by right. energizing the graphene oxide. And that's the thing. People don't really know exactly what's in it. You know those people, Biden, even Trump, any of these representatives, you know they're not taking the real vaccine live on TV when they pretend that they do. You know that they're not that stupid. They're not doing that. Um, they're leaving us to do that. How, how do you know that? She's just hypothesizing. She's just making shit up. She's just making assumption after assumption after assumption. I see this shit on Reddit all the time. Reddit has a, a bad habit of like coming up with this idea that they think is pretty rock solid and then taking that as fact and then building another assumption on top of that and then another and another and another until it's just a big jumbled fucking mess of nonsense. It's completely unlinked from reality, but they state it as fact. It's a huge problem, really. How do you deal with, like, somebody who just straight up rejects reality around them? That brings us to the next clip I wanted to watch. This one's about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let me give you a little bit of a uh, lead up to it, though. There's an article that talks about it. It was written by Kristen Dorer on rightwingwatch.org. The title is Marjorie Taylor Greene suggests Second Amendment should be used on vaccinators. Let's give this article a read and see what it says. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene suggested that if vaccinators go door to door in Alabama offering the COVID-19 vaccine, Alabamans are entitled to use their Second Amendment rights, a reference to the constitutional provision that protects the right of citizens as part of a well-regulated militia to keep and bear arms. In making those comments, Green appears to be misrepresenting door-knocking community members who encourage people to get vaccines as someone standing on your steps, needle in hand, coercing vaccinations. Alabama's hospitals are currently overrun with COVID-19 patients, partly due to the low vaccination rate in the state. Not only is she misrepresenting the door-knocking community members, encouraging people to get vaccinated, as someone standing on your steps, needle in hand, coercing vaccinations. And she's misrepresenting what the Second Amendment is for. And by saying that in the first place, she's hinting at or suggesting that people take matters into their own hands. This is terrorism. That's what this is. It's terrorism. I feel like we don't use that word enough when it's actually appropriate to be used. This is a perfectly appropriate use of the term. Marjorie Taylor Greene's basically encouraging people to shoot and kill anybody who comes to their door, encouraging them to get vaccinated. How is she not in fucking prison over this? This video is actually recorded apparently by one of David Pakman's fans. Turns out I'm a, I actually like David Pakman. I think he's pretty on point a lot of the time, but really interesting. They got a, a, a recording of Marjorie Taylor Greene saying this. Let's give it a listen and see what she said. And one more thing on that, you lucky people here in Alabama might get a knock on your door because I hear Alabama might be one of the most unvaccinated states in the nation. <laughs> Why are they cheering for that? They are liter they're suffering as a state, as a society. We all are as a direct result of their actions. I have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These people are taking my right to life and, and fucking with it. They're playing with it. You have a right to swing your fist anywhere you want, except for right here at my nose. You can't swing it here. 
you not being allowed to swing your fist right here at my nose isn't a violation of your rights. It is a protection of mine. I understand that there's a fine line in, you know, when you're dealing with rights like this between who has to get vaccinated and who should get vaccinated and who shouldn't have to if they don't want and all that other stuff. I get that. But we live in a society and by refusing to do this, you're putting everyone's lives at risk particularly people who can't get vaccinated for one reason or another like their age or their health status immunocompromised or or whatever else it's really disappointing to me to hear people actually cheering for this shit uh, for the record marjorie taylor green i don't think she realized this was being recorded she probably wouldn't have given a shit anyway she probably would have said this whether she's being recorded or not but uh still He's going to be sending one of his police state friends uh, to your front door to knock on the door, take down your name, your address, your family member. Okay, so some serious misrepresentations happening right here. Let's listen one more time. Of his police state friend. No, it's not going to be a police state friend. She's implying that it's going to be like a member of the military or a member of the police coming to your door, forcing you to take a vaccine. That's not what's happening. That's not, no one has ever suggested that. Door, to knock on the door, take down your name, your address, your family members' names. Your as if they don't have all that information already. As if it's not easily available. As if the census doesn't exist and it wasn't just taken last fucking year. Phone numbers, your cell phone numbers, probably ask for your social security number. They already have all that information. I don't know why Joe Biden would be sending someone around to collect it. Number and whether you've taken the vaccine or not. Once again, they have all this information already. It's like people freaking out that they're going to get microchips implanted in them to follow them around. Are you serious? Why would they put so much time and effort into inventing this delicate technology, brand new fucking technology that requires a battery to power it? And what happens when that battery runs out? They're going to inject a microchip with a nano battery in it that will apparently last the rest of your life to track your movements when they have one of these like everyone carries one of these motherfuckers around why would they give a shit you think they're not following you on your phone of course they are we've known about this for fucking ever you remember edward snowden releasing those leaked documents about the prism project i just don't get how this this woman and her entire audience is completely unaware that the government doesn't even fucking need a microchip. They're already collecting all of the data they would have gotten from a microchip and more. Security number and whether you've taken the vaccine or not. Silence. Yeah, well, what they don't know is in the South, we all love our Second Amendment rights. That's terrorism right there. I don't feel that the word terrorism is inappropriate in this situation. I feel like it's a perfectly appropriate word that fits the situation perfectly. She's a terrorist when she's encouraging people to do this shit. And we're not real big on strangers showing up on our front door, are we? They might not like the welcome they get. Yeah, I, I've actually heard some pretty scary stories from fellow Jehovah's Witnesses. At the time when I was a Jehovah's Witness, I heard a lot of scary shit. People had guns pointed at them and all kinds of stuff. People aren't really friendly to others showing up at their doorsteps. 
being a census worker is actually dangerous. Being a social worker is even more dangerous. My God, like a CPS worker or whatever. She's a terrorist, man, really. And and honestly, after saying what she said, encouraging terrorism, that 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 crosses my moral line for deplatforming. I definitely want her platform yanked, but you know that's bordering on crossing my moral line for jail. If you are actually encouraging violence against somebody, you should at least pay some kind of a penalty or something. I don't know. I'd have to think about it more. Let's read this article and see what it says. The video, which was taken surreptitiously by someone in the crowd at a private event in Alabama on July 23rd, was provided exclusively to The David Pakman Show, a nationally broadcasted progressive TV and radio talk show. I'm actually a David Pakman Show member. I get the bonus show and all that. Aren't you guys jealous? It's only like $2 a month. It's practically nothing. In it, the representative from Georgia tells the crowd that President Joe Biden might send one of his police state friends to Alabama's front door and that Southerners love the Second Amendment rights and don't like strangers showing up at their front door. Green went on to spread a conspiracy theory that Dr. Anthony Fauci was to blame for the spread of COVID-19. I actually, uh, I cut that part out because it was a little bit less relevant to the rest of it. This is a quote from the end of the clip, a part we didn't watch. Dr. Fauci funded with your tax dollars. He funded it in the Wuhan lab, didn't he? He funded COVID-19, the gain-of-function research. That's his baby. That's his experiment. And he's getting to watch it in the real world like a live television show where he has front row seats. He gets to watch what happens. So this man sent your tax dollars, my tax dollars, through a third party to the Wuhan lab where a gain-of-function was used to take a virus that was spread between animals, and it was changed into a virus that spread between humans all over the world. And they're dying, and they're still dying. Again, complete conspiracy theory. As if I even need to say that, Right Wing Watch said it for me. It's nonsense. This is Right Wing Watch again. Green's comments about deploying one's Second Amendment rights seem to be in reaction to comments Biden made on July 6th about getting more people vaccinated to prevent further spread of COVID-19. Now we need to go community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors to help get the remaining people protected from the virus, he said at a press conference. Obviously, Biden didn't mean he's going to go to somebody's door and throw a fucking vaccine dart at them and force it, you know, force it down their throats without their consent. That's not what it's about. But it takes time and money sometimes to get to a location where you can get vaccinated you've got to at least pay the travel expenses the subway fare the bus fare the gas money to get to a pharmacy where you can actually get the vaccine so i would be in favor of people going door to door asking others if they want to take the vaccine i i have no problem with that what's wrong with that i don't understand Ultimately, there really isn't anything wrong with that. There's nothing bad about sending people door-to-door asking if they want the vaccine. It's just more public demonization that just got real when she suggested people shoot the door-to-door vaccine workers. We are at a new level now in public discourse. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week.
If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.